So folks, we are, thanks, looking at um, an overall theme this year of Be True in 22 and we're working on a poster which will have things like Be Authentic, Be Real, Be, um, uh, what was the other word, Rick? Authentic, Real. Yeah, I forgot already. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, and, and as a part of that, uh, I've looked at this series on um, developing your Christian character and predominantly based on the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians 5, but we're looking at these, the individual fruit and what the Scriptures have to say about them and certainly this morning we're focusing on love. Ah, oh, sorry, joy. That love was last week. I'll get my act together when Cheryl gets home. She gets home on Tuesday night, so I'll, I'll be thinking a little bit clearer uh, after Tuesday. So I want to share with you a bit of the uh, John and Cheryl White family story and uh, this is it from John chapter 10. just want to read verses 20 to 24 and then I'll show you a picture. And this is what John 10 verse... Uh, can you sync that for me? It's not syncing across to the other screen. John writes this, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy, Jesus said. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child is born is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Is that a familiar passage? It's a great, uh, great uh, instruction from Jesus and it reminds us that our joy comes from him, just like our friendly puppet reminded us. So for the Whites, we've had some uh, pretty exciting holidays over the years. I promised Cheryl when we got married that um, our life would be an adventure and it wouldn't be dull and I think I've kept the promise because we've done some amazing things on holidays. We've travelled in motorhomes. We've camped at different places. But this is one of the most amazing things uh, we did as a family on one holiday. When the girls were younger, we used to go to generally somewhere with water where there was the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast. And on one of those occasions, we went to Wet n Wild on the uh, Gold Coast, the theme park. And anybody ever been down a water slide? Anybody ever been down that water slide at Wet n Wild? I know somebody, I think Pastor Jeff went there recently. And uh, please be praying, Pastor Jeff, he's tested COVID positive. Uh, he and Karen are in isolation this week. So, I'm not a water slide fan. I've got to tell you, I'm not a, um, I never have been. Uh, I still am not today, but, but I was coaxed to go on the slide by, by the two, our two daughters. And one time we went on this huge slide and as we climbed up, I asked the lifeguard or the attendant at the top, how many people chickened out before they went down the slide? And she said, uh, quite a few. I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to be one of them. So the girls sat down confidently and they, they sat in the chute mouth and they took off. And all I could hear all the way down was screaming. And I, they were going down this wild monstrosity. I think there's another picture up there too. Yeah, that's another one at SeaWorld. We, we did that one too. Anyhow, um, I secretly hoped that the water pump would break down. Or that there was this massive storm and they'd cancel all the rides that afternoon. Neither of those things happened. 
So I laid back, crossed my arms, prayed like crazy and let go. Immediately I knew that I was on something that I had no way out of and I was totally out of control. I joined in the screaming. My heart was racing and I think possibly for those 30 seconds I stopped breathing but I can't tell for sure. I would have given anything to get off that slide. When I got to the bottom, guess what? Both girls were laughing and I was crying but I was so wet you couldn't tell that I was crying. And it felt like my swimsuit was up in my mouth. And other than the last 30 seconds of sheer terror on that slide, I actually enjoyed the rest of the water park. So there was this um, extremely frightening, scary time for me and, but the rest of the time was fun. So it was probably one of the most enjoyable holidays we ever had. This morning we're going to, as it were, take a plunge into the pool called Joy and discover what joy is about. Based on the fruit of the Spirit, and we know the fruit of the Spirit, by the end of this series you'll be able to say them all off if you don't know them already. Read it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that joy is one of the most elusive things that people chase after. Even for us as believers. It's one of those fruit that we would love to have in our life but it tends to be elusive. And like that water slide, joy doesn't seem to be very, a very popular fruit even though a lot of people want to have a part of it. And I, I think it's because that joy is often misunderstood. And uh, even our friend the puppet, I, I cringed when I saw that video. I think what he said was great, by the way. But our world tends to relate joy to happiness. And I think there's a difference uh, between jo- happiness and the joy that God gives. I'm sure he brought that out. He certainly did bring that out in the video. And, uh, but happiness and joy spring from two different uh, sources, as it were. One source comes from the world around me and, and everybody wants to be happy. And I think there was a song one stage, you know, uh, wasn't there, Be Happy? And uh, that's what people are chasing after. But, but what do they equate to happiness? Is it, is it feeling good? Is it, um, is it uh, uh, having things or, or getting things, accumulating things? Whereas I think the happiness that, or the joy rather that the fruit of the Spirit talks about is from the Spirit of the living God. And happiness is often conditioned on what's, by what's happening to me. Whereas joy is when through God I am extremely excited about what God's doing. If my circumstances aren't favourable, then I'm unhappy. And I guess that describes that 30 seconds of terror for me on the, on the water slide. It was not a happy place for me that day, those 30 seconds. But there's this compelling quality of life that we are given when God's Spirit comes into us that, that helps us to overcome many of the circumstances and the disasters and the terrible times that we face. I want to share with you the, the Hebrew and the and, and Greek backgrounds to this, meanings to this word. Hebrew says to leap or spin around with pleasure. I like that. I think that's a great description of joy. 
You can't contain yourself. There's something that's affected you that you just want to demonstrate it. And uh, that's, that's what, whenever you read joy in the Old Testament, that's what it means. In the New Testament, it means gladness, bliss and celebration. So, however you do that, however you do celebration, however you show gladness, that's what the New Testament word joy is about. But joy is a gift, but it also takes hard work. And as we looked at last week, we looked at the fact that we need to be connected to the vine. And just when you're wanting to see vines produce grapes, then if you want to see joy produced in your life, you need to be connected with the one who can give you that joy. It's not easy to grow vegetables or fruit. Most of us know that. It's not instantaneous. You don't just plant a seed or plant a cutting and it comes up. There's the weather, there's bugs, there's weeds, there's poor soil. There's um, What I get blamed of a lot when I'm trying to look after Cheryl's garden is neglect or forgetfulness. So for us to see joy develop in our lives, there's an effort, there's a commitment that we need to put into place. And I'm going to share with you this morning some what I've called joy busters, those that will really break joy down in your life. And then the second thing I'm going to share with you is some joy builders, those that will encourage joy in your life. So let's see how we go with this this morning. Joy busters. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15 to the Galatian believers, what's happened to all your joy? They weren't living a life that was founded on the like we sang this morning, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It wasn't happening in their life. I think that needs to be asked in the question, that question needs to be asked of churches today. Do churches have an underlying joy? Do do people in churches have an underlying joy, no matter the circumstances, that joy can't be taken away from us? Do we understand what that means? William Barclay, one of the commentators, said this, A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. To me, that reminds me of undertakers. But you've probably seen it. You've probably read it throughout history that there's this stiff upper lip, austere uh, nature to being in church. Church wasn't meant to be fun. Church wasn't meant to be enjoyable. You just followed the rules. That's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, we're going to look at how God is a God of joy and how part of his nature is joy. So what's some of these things that will steal our joy away? You've probably experienced them already. I'm going to skip through them fairly quickly. Unsatisfied expectations. What do I mean by that? Well, it could be that someone has promised to do something for you and they don't show up. Or someone has, has agreed to be involved in something with you and they let you down. Some people go through joyless routines of life. Everything becomes same old, same old. There's, there's no goals, there's no hope, there's no fun, there's no joy in life anymore. Some people are discontent with the way their lives are going. They... Um, The marriage isn't as as exciting as it used to be or the job isn't exciting as it used to be or the kids aren't as fun as they used to be. 
unsatisfied expectations. And I, I believe that the attitude or the spirit of discontentment, not being content with what you have, will rob many of us today of the joy that we could have. I came across um, uh, what Paul wrote in, in Philippians 4 and verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul says he's discovered the secret of this. And the secret of this contentment is that the Holy Spirit of God puts that joy in his life no matter what his circumstances are. He needed to learn to live with that over many years. I think we struggle with that because we want answers straight away, especially when our expectations don't happen. The second uh, joy buster is unresolved conflict. Our joy evaporates when we allow conflict between ourselves or between uh, ourselves and God or ourselves and other people to continue on. The reason why joy doesn't happen there is that bitterness sets in. We start to blame someone for for that conflict. And I think anger clouds our eyes and it, it obscures our view of God which takes away, drains away our joy as you were. Hebrews tells us this in chapter 12. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. Oh, uh, love, joy, peace next week. So we might go back to this verse. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Don't know about you, Pat, but uh, I've got some homework to do already this week. Uh, how did you go with your homework last week on love? Up and down. Okay, that's honest. I mentioned last week that love keeps no records of wrongs. He said this, she said this, they said this, they did this. Love does not remember that. If we continue to itemise people's mess-ups in our life, then that's not showing them love. The same with joy. Philippians 2, Paul says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So unsatisfied expectations, um, unresolved conflict and the third one you probably already know, unconfessed sin. If I'm, if I'm holding on to some, some disobedience to God that I know I'm aware of, then that's going to take away my joy because I'm always feeling guilty about it. Someone has said, uh, guilt can gut your joy faster than anything I know. So if you are carrying a a burden of sin or disobedience, then you need to put that right with God. David knew what it was like. David, when he wrote the Psalms, in Psalm 32, he says this, Blessed is he whose transactions are forgiven. Sorry, transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Can you imagine that? When we confess our sin, God forgets it. He forgives it and he forgets it. And we're free from that guilt. If we don't do that, then that's going to bring us that lack of joy. 
Verse 3 says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. David hadn't confessed his sin to God and that's what he felt like. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then, David said, then I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. He could have easily put in parenthesis after that, freedom. He could have said freedom. Freedom from that guilt, freedom from that, that sin, that unconfessed sin. The psalm goes on and it ends like this in verse 11. It says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. What does that mean? That uprightness comes from that confession of sin and that response to God's grace and God's goodness. He wrote a similar thing in another psalm. David wrote in Psalm 51, verses 7 to 8. He said, Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. So he had that underlying joy. He had that underlying uh, freedom from confession of sin and he was able to live that out. I want to take this a moment, just a brief moment in the message now for you to think about some of these things that I've said this morning. I'm just going to reflect some of the things that I've mentioned already and see what God's Spirit says to your heart about these joy busters, if you like. And if he says something, talk to him straight away and seek to put it right. Do you have some unsatisfied expectations that have led to a spirit of discontentment. Is that you today? If it is, then then be determined to do whatever it takes to learn the secret of wanting everything you have, not necessarily having everything you want. Let me say that again. Take time to learn the secret of wanting everything you have and not necessarily having everything you want. And when you do, even the little things in life will bring great enjoyment to you. Maybe you need to confess your discontentment to to God right now. I wonder if you're involved in conflict with someone. If so, confess it to God and make plans to meet with that person face to face so that you can work on being reconciled and get back onto your journey of joy. Get back into your journey to joy. God, ask God this morning, how do I resolve this conflict? And the third thing that I mentioned as a joy buster is, is God's heavy hand on you right now because of some sin that you've not confessed and repented of. Don't keep silent any longer. It'll only chew up your joy. Acknowledge your transgression, your disobedience and come back and taste again that joy that's been yours in the past. I believe if you do that, you'll gladly rejoice in the Lord once again. So I've started off on a bit of a negative there, joy busters. But I want to finish this morning on joy builders because that lack of joy in our lives can be restored once again. And Psalm 51, uh, Paul, uh, David writes this, 
It was a prayer. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That was David's prayer. Maybe that needs to be your prayer. God honoured David's prayers. He'll honour your prayers today too. So, here we go. Six, six and six short um, joy builders that I want to share with you this morning. Billy Sunday was an evangelist in the United States and he said this, the trouble with many men is that they have, not, have got just enough religion to make them miserable. If there is not joy in religion, you've got a leak in your religion. So they go through the motions, they are seen to be religious, but if there's not joy in all that, then there's a leak in the religion somewhere. I believe the Bible gives us six ways to experience joy. And let's look at them. First of all, recognise recognize God as joyful. Did you know that God's nature is a joyful nature? Now, many people have this opinion of God that he's a taskmaster, that he's the boss, he's the one in control. If you don't do what he says, you'll be judged and you'll be punished. Now, that's true when you look at things, the lessons in the Old Testament, but, but God also blessed the people of Israel immeasurably. He, he, he kept a remnant of that tribe of Israel uh, protected through the whole of their history. He had a plan for them. And God is joyful. Anybody read the book of Zephaniah lately? You know where it is? It's in the Old Testament. But there's one verse out of there that stood out to me as I was reading it in this past week. It said this, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Let me read that again. The Lord your God is with you. Do you believe that? He is mighty to save. Absolutely, we agree with that. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Anybody here who wants God to sing for them? I want him to be singing over me with joy. But this is what the prophet Zephaniah was saying. This is what God's nature is like. This is what he wants to do to his creation. God delights in you and he breaks out into song about you. Have you ever considered that about God before? We sing, we, we sing about a holy God and we, we tend to set God apart as holy but, but he wants to rejoice over us. I just pondered on that verse for a while this week. God is singing over me. So I went to uh, some of the paraphrases in the Paraphrase Living Bible It says this. I'm not sure if I got there. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it's the Lord himself exulting over you in happy song. So God is singing over us. Did you know that God's nature is a joyful nature? We've got to recognise God as joyful. Psalm 104 says this. May the glory of the Lord endure forever and may the Lord rejoice in his works. We're amazed when we look at the works of God, aren't we? Whether it be nature or or the microscopic elements of life, we are amazed, we rejoice over that. God rejoices over his works as well. You and I are part of his works. You and I are part of his his plan. When we recognise joy as a part of God's character, I believe he takes great pleasure in us. And we see that in him. He is the good gardener. And the good gardener 
toils over his crops. The good gardener toils over the plants with constant care. He's patiently waiting for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our life. And he, he longs to gather in the harvest when that fruit is ripe. We sang this morning from Nehemiah, I've got Isaiah, Nehemiah. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We sang that this morning. Nehemiah was encouraging people to rebuild uh, Jerusalem. Recognise God's character as joy. Secondly, rehearse God's attributes in worship. When we come to worship, what do we sing about? What do we focus on? Is it a feel-good feeling about the music that we like or the, the tunes that we like? Well, one of the um, historical documents of, of uh, the Christian church is called the Westminster Confession and this is what it says. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So we've, re- we've been designed to respond in worship in reverence and rejoicing. And I trust that that's what our worship teams do here for all of us. Psalm 66 says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Is that our attitude when we come to God, whether quietly, alone by ourselves or in our families or when we come to worship him, that we want to praise him for who he is? Thirdly, thirdly, reaffirm your commitment to others. If we want to build up joy, then we need to reaffirm that commitment to others. The first two joy builders that I mentioned, they were vertical. They were about how we respond to God, both the... um, recognising God as joyful and rehearsing God's attributes in worship. This one is horizontal, if you like. It's, it's how serious we are about being joyful with others. Romans 12:15 challenges us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Like I said before, it's a happy, sad occasion that Micah and, and Haley are heading off uh, because it's been... I guess we could say, Micah, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been interesting at least, but fun. And we're sad that you're going, but we're really happy and we're rejoicing with you in what you're going to. I'm going to have to get my head around using the terminology Dr. Micah (laughs) down the track. (laughs) Okay. But in reaffirming our commitment to others, how do we know? The people are rejoicing. We don't, not everybody gets their news shared from the pulpit or in the newsletter. How do we know that someone's struggling or mourning? It's through our interaction with each other, whether we're involved in small groups or whether we have uh, family friends in the life of the church where we can rejoice and where we can mourn when necessary. I wonder if we are truly seeing joy built up because of our commitment to one another. Philippians, Paul wrote this. He's convinced of this. I know that I'll remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. He had just been saying, I'd rather be with God. 
because of this world, I'd rather be with God. But I know that in remaining or in visiting you again, you will bring me joy and I'll bring you joy. And I hope that this, that's what we do for each other. I hope that we're connected enough to be able to care for, pray for, uh, hold each other accountable, laugh with one another, study God's word together so that the, the temperature of joy around about us will be rising. Now we have the opportunity in our church for connect groups or small groups and we haven't really started many of them up. KYB started, which is great, but we haven't started them up because of the uncertainty of gathering together at the moment. But I hope when it comes a time that we'll advertise them and you might like to be a host of a small group at your place. There's something special. I'm not sure if I shared with you but, but in the past, but I wouldn't be here today as, as a Baptist pastor and certainly not as pastor of this church if it hadn't been a, a small group of people in the Townsville Church that were a part of, we were a part of the home group that they were involved in and um, through their generosity, through their prayers, uh, they, God changed my mind about quitting from pastoral ministry and it's because of that group of people that I'm here today. A fourth joy builder is to reignite your passion for evangelism. Now, I don't know about you, but but if you've ever had the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, to share who Jesus is with a, a friend or a family member to the point where they've decided, yes, I want what you've got. Yes, I want to believe what you believe and you're able to introduce them to Jesus. There is no greater buzz in the world as far as I'm concerned as a pastor or as a believer. And sometimes when we're not seeing that, our joy tends to get a little bit flat. So my, may I encourage you today, reignite your passion for evangelism, your passion for sharing your faith. Paul wrote this to Philemon. He said this. Um, no, that's Luke. I skipped one, I think. Yeah, yeah I skipped one. Sorry, I'll read Philemon. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. There's a joy component in there. And Luke 15, you know this story. The shepherd goes out looking for a lost sheep he finds it, he comes back to his neighbours and he says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. And there's rejoicing in the church when people come to faith in Jesus. And I want to be a part of that. In, in uh, John's Gospel he says, even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I don't care if I'm a sower or a reaper. I just want to be glad about people coming to Christ, coming to faith in Christ. A fifth uh, joy builder is to release your problems to the Lord. If we hold on to things, that's going to steal our joy away. If we release the problems to the Lord, then we can rejoice. Even when there's times of, of suffering or pain or disappointment, we can still rejoice in knowing that we've handed it over to God. Do you remember the story of um, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16? Uh, they were in, in, in jail, they had their feet in the stocks and they were in jail because they were talking about Jesus. About midnight, Paul and Silas, Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. They were sharing the gospel in the midst of their situation. Would you or I be able to do that? I think I'd be worried about what's coming next. But they had total confidence in the Lord. And so they were to praise him in those circumstances. 
One Bible scholar that I appreciate in my preparation of messages is a guy called um, Matthew Henry and he wrote this. He'd been robbed and he said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. It's the first time. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed someone else. So even in that terrible situation, he was thankful for some things and the joy of the Lord wasn't taken from him. Paul says something similar. I have great confidence in you, he says. I take great pride in you, talking to the Corinthian believers. I am greatly encouraged in all your troubles. My joy knows no ends. He was excited for them. James chapter 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kinds. We have to surrender our problems to Jesus if we want our joy to be built up. And a final point this morning is this, remain close to Jesus. I said it last week, the only way to experience the fruit of the Spirit is to be obedient to Christ, to submit to God's Spirit on a daily basis, to discover joy, we must abandon looking for it and instead looking to the one who can give us joy. There's a song I used to sing, I'm not sure if it was um, youth group or... um, or, uh, or, or Sunday school when I was little, but you may know it. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Who knows it? If you know it, you sing it with me. Okay, here we go. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. So now you know it. But the good thing about that song was there were some actions with it. So some people were doing the actions, weren't they? All right, if you know the actions, you can do it with me again. So now you know the tune and I guarantee that this song's going to be going around in your head this week, okay? So uh, this is the action. That's the flag, okay? So joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, okay? When the king is in residence there. Let's try it. Here we go. Whatever you choose. Whatever you choose. It comes out to me muffled, so I don't care. One, two... Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. Will you remember it? Will you certainly remember the pictures of Pastor John flying the flag up the front here anyhow? If you obey my commands, Jesus said, you'll remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. So if we remain in the Father's love, our joy will be made complete. So how do we do that practically? In this year, be, be true in 22. I remember the other word, genuine and authentic and real. There you go, Rick. The mind remembers things. How do we do that? How do we show genuine joy, authentic joy in our lives? Three brief application steps this morning. First one is guard yourself against those joy busters. The joy busters I mentioned early. Make a choice. Ask someone to hold you accountable. Ask a trusted Christian friend, whether it be weekly, fortnightly, monthly or whatever, to ask you the tough questions. Have you learnt the secret of contentment yet? Have you kept short accounts with people? Have you got into the regular habit of confessing your sins? Ask someone to help you stand against these joy busters. A second practical thing you might like to do this week is uh, identify one joy builder that you need to work on. What were they? I think I've got them up here. Do you need to recognise God as joyful? Look, search the scriptures and see where you can find things about God being a joyful God. Rehearse God's attributes in worship, or you do that when you come on Sundays, but in your own private time. Reaffirm your commitment to others. Reignite your passion for evangelism. Ask God to give you the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with someone this week. Release your problems to the Lord and remain close to Jesus. Then there's one more thing I'd encourage you to do and it's up to you. I'd encourage you to read through the book of Philippians this week and the reason why I encourage you to do that is that the word joy or the word rejoice is used 19 different times in Paul's letter to Philippians. And as you read it, ask God to ripen that fruit of joy in your life. Very practical thing you can do. I want to close with one verse and this verse is Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we are truly people of the kingdom of God then that underlying joy, no matter the external circumstances, that underlying joy should be evident to people around about us and we should have people say, I want what you've got. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we've mentioned the joy busters and the joy builders this morning. Lord, help us to be aware of those things that would, would seek to rob us of that joy of knowing you every day, that, that underlying joy of being confident that we are in the palm of your hand, that we are your children every day. And Father, help us to work on those aspects of our life when we can, we can see joy built up and we can be strengthened for those difficult times that we will all face. Father, we thank you for your word. It's, it's just so full of how we are to live, how we are to be real and genuine and true, authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that it will be obvious this week as we take some of those practical steps that, Father, you will do amazing things and we will be overwhelmed with joy. Father, we want to bring a smile to your face this week as you see us as your obedient children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants to chat with me about anything I said this morning, I'm staying for morning tea.
and uh, grab me and we'll have a chat. Thanks, Pat.